This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winglings Under the Willow Tree. Previously on Winglings, Will and his family traveled into the Hagaroth Mountains through the treacherous pass, where jumping rocks shot out of the canyon walls and attacked them. Will used a new spell to deflect most of the launched boulders, but missed one that slammed hard into Ma's back. Once they'd made it to the other side, Will was so exhausted he had no more energy to summon the pixie needed to heal his mother's wounds. Meanwhile, the dark minions were making their way through the pass close behind. 
with little time to rest, we'll notice rainbow colors shimmering at the top of the cliff up ahead. It was the Rainbow Ridge. They were almost to the Temples of Light. Will and his family decided to finish the journey and get to the temples before the dark could reach them. As they started up the cliff towards the colors, a dark shadow emerged from the treacherous pass behind them. And now for episode 14, Light at the End of the Tunnel. My mind was racing as we pushed up the cliff towards the misty rainbow. There was so much to think about, to worry about. I kept looking back at Stella, who was carrying Ma. Da insisted on hiking behind the scorpion, just in case Ma slipped off and he could catch her before she tumbled down the cliff. Ma's wings had been injured badly from the jumping rock, and we all worried she wouldn't be able to use them for some time. She wasn't the only one with little use of her wings. Da and I had basically flown all the strength out of ours back in the pass. They jittered uncomfortably against our backs. When I wasn't glancing back at Ma, I was worrying about M and if she was okay. She was, no surprise. Any normal fairyling would have gone berserk had they lived through half of what she'd been through. When I wasn't worrying about M, I was staring up at the colors at the top of the cliff. What is it going to look like? I wondered. Is the colorful glow coming from the Temples of Light just on the other side? Maybe they were rainbow-colored and glowed with a pixie bright enough to blind a gumper beetle. I was excited and terrified all at once. It would come a long way for this. I tried to brace myself for disappointment just in case they were nothing but a few stacked stones. Adding to my worries, I thought of the dark minions in pursuit. Surely some of them had made it out of the pass alive? At least a few. They wouldn't be far behind. And if I wasn't strong enough to use Pixie to heal Ma at the bottom of the cliff, we were in for real trouble at the top when I'd probably have to use it to protect us. Ouch! I cried as M pulled my hair. I pried her tiny pudgy fingers from the back of my head. No, we don't pull hair. Unless you want to yank us both off this cliff. M just giggled and patted the back of my head with both hands like she was playing a drum. Can you see the end of the trail? Da asked, trying to catch his breath. He ducked before Stella's wagging tail could knock him over. Stella, too, was getting tired. I felt sorry for her. It seemed taxing enough carrying our supplies before we put Ma on her back. She kept using her pinchers to clamp onto bushes and small trees to pull herself up the narrow trail. Her tail would swing when she was nervous, and about halfway up the cliff it started swinging non-stop. Just behind her, Da frequently had to back up or duck out of the way. I looked up and saw the trail come to an end where three large stones made steps to the top. I nearly flew the rest of the way, but knew I'd better save my energy. Instead, I stopped at the steps and helped Stella get her footing and climb up. Everyone collapsed when we reached the top. Getting to my knees, I looked around. What in all the kingdom?! This was not what I was expecting. I thought we'd get to the top and see flat land with giant rainbow temples, glorious, shining, and radiating a fierce pixie that'd bring us all to tears. But instead, I found mist. Lots and lots of mist. Clouds, really. 
The fog shimmered with different colors and covered the way before us. Are you sure this is it? Da asked, looking equally confused. This is the Rainbow Ridge I saw on the map, I told him. The temples must be on the other side. I started to step into the colorful cloud, but Da stopped me. What are you doing? Da asked. I'm going through. What if you drop off another cliff? It's too thick to see where you're going. You won't be able to see your own hand in front of your face. He was right. It would be dangerous to go wandering off into a thick fog at the top of a mountain. But what other choice did we have? Suddenly, I got an idea. I bent down and grabbed a fistful of rocks. Taking one of them, I tossed it into the rainbow cloud in front of me. I heard it thud and skip across the ground. A loud thud, thud, scat, scat, scat. If there was a cliff or a hole just within the cloud, I would have heard nothing, or the rocks skipping down and fading away. Clever boy, Da said. You get that from your ma. That he does, Ma said weakly from Stella's back. I took a deep breath. Well, here it goes. Light help us. Feeling only a little safer, I took my first steps into the cloud and ready to throw another rock in front of me. Stella, Ma, and Da followed close behind. As we entered the cloud, I could feel the coolness of the moisture, almost a damp cold. There was pixie in it, lots of it. It prickled my skin and made my hair stand up. Not daring to take another blind step, I threw my second rock. Before it could hit the ground, the clouds parted in front of me. Curling up like smoky waves, the rainbow mist pulled back and became the walls of a path that led straight ahead. I could hear Ma gasp behind me. That was some rock you had there, Da said, amazed with the cloudy passage. I don't think it was the rock, I said, looking over the cloud walls myself. We journeyed down the straight path, the rainbow mist rippling up the cloud walls around us like smoke drifting up and out of a chimney. I held my hands out to my sides and touched it as I walked. So cool, so powerful. This was a different kind of pixie. Usually the pixie I'd felt was warm like a misty blanket. Not this. The only word I could think of to describe this pixie was finer. A fine, pure pixie magic that I'm sure even an inexperienced fairyling could breathe in and be filled by its power. When we reached the end of the path, we became even more confused. I spun in circles. No, I thought. We must have taken a wrong turn. This can't be. There was nothing there. No temples, no relics, no signs of guarding light. Nothing. In fact, we weren't at the top of the mountains after all. We were in another valley, surrounded by more cliffs. These were of a bright red rock, stained with every color of the rainbow. From their tops, misty rainbow waterfalls fell hundreds of feet. Before their cascading water could hit the ground, it turned into a colorful mist that bent outward and fed into the cloud jungle we just passed through. There were dozens of waterfalls, all surrounding us, all feeding into the cloudy mists. And now that we were out of it, 
All I could see were rock walls and nowhere to go other than back the way we came. Now what? Had we been tricked? Did the temples even exist? A deep, gurgling roar echoed behind us. We turned and saw a dark shadow at the end of the cloud path. It was charging towards us, fast. Just as I was beginning to make out its hunched, galloping form, the rainbow cloud collapsed itself over the thing, making it squeal with rage. Thunder rumbled as yellow and blue flashes of lightning lit up the cloudy mists in pockets. What was that? Dad yelled. I don't know, I shouted. But it didn't look happy to see us. Let's fly for the tops of the cliffs. I don't have the strength to fly, Will. I'm all winged out. I looked around in a hurry. The creature's roars were getting closer. They'd sometimes wander off sideways a distance as the thing lost itself in the cloud. But as we shouted to each other, it found its direction again. See if you can find a hiding spot for you and Ma, I said. I'll look for a way through the cliffs. Dab pulled Stella towards the red rock walls, looking for cover, while I flew around desperately searching for a tunnel or a hole or a narrow canyon we could pass through. There was no such thing. My wings staggered, their flutter pausing every few seconds out of exhaustion. I could tell they wouldn't hold me much longer. They were starting to cramp. The roars below were much louder now. Loud enough for me to realize that whatever this thing was, it was big. Real big. Finally, I found something. A crack in the bottom of the rock. It looked deep. Probably not deep enough to be a tunnel, but surely deep enough to hide in. Da! I shouted and pointed at the crack. He saw it and yanked Stella towards it. The poor scorpion stumbled on her flimsy legs. A shadow emerged from the wall of cloud. It was enormous, somehow bigger than it sounded, and bigger than any living thing I'd ever seen, not counting the pixie knot, but at least twice the size of the bungabow, and twice as wretched. It was black, and had six strong legs under a wolf-like body, a body that looked as though it were made of nothing but dark mud and smoke. Wet soil dripped off it as it stepped into the clearing. Its yellow-eyed gaze locked onto Dan's Stella as they struggled to get to the crack. Smoke seeped from the beast's mouth, and a long, muddy tongue flicked through fangs on its protruding lower jaw. With a howl that echoed in our tiny fairy ears, the beast charged after my family. I folded my wings and dove for it. As I fell, I grabbed my blowpipe and reached back to slide darts into it. <coughs> the beast flinched as two of my leaker darts stuck him in the nose. It stopped its charge and scraped the darts off effortlessly with one of its six legs. It sniffed the broken darts on the ground and looked up at me. They weren't working! The leaker dart toxin should have that thing teetering by now, falling over and snoring. But the creature wasn't asleep far from it. He was looking up at me and opening his nasty mouth to gobble me up. Blast! I'd wasted two good darts. My hand touched my Zaxlin handle. Let me at him! Gabriel shouted in my mind. I obeyed my sword and pulled him free just as I reached the beast. 
Slash! I cut across the monster's cheek, spraying mud on the ground. The beast roared and then slapped me away with one of its huge paws. I slammed back into the rock and almost flattened M. She cried from my pack. Fool! I should have left her with Da, I thought. At least he and Ma were safe inside the crack. I saw poor Stella trying to fit in, but struggling to squeeze her wide torso through. The beast didn't seem to care about them. For the moment, all it cared about was gobbling me up. With another roar, it charged after me. Spar! Spar! Two smoking mud balls shot out of the creature's mouth. Splash! Splash! They both splattered and sizzled in hot globs on the wall right next to me. Great, I thought. It wasn't enough for it to be huge and immune to leakadots. It has to spit mud balls, too? Will to the wall now, Gabriel shouted. His wings came alive and lifted me into the air right as the beast dove for me. My sword's winged handle pulled me along the wall away from the monster. Spar, splash, More mud balls whizzed by me and splattered on the red cliffs. You've got to be kidding me, I yelled looking back. The beast was using its sticky mud paws to grip the cliff and run sideways along it like a lizard. It chased me along the walls, splashing through the rainbow waterfalls. Throw me, Gabriel commanded. But I'll fall. My wings can't hold me. Trust me. The roaring, spitting beast was almost upon me. I had nothing to lose. I turned and threw my Zaxlin. As it whirled towards the monster, I fell. Gabriel's wings curved around the creature's chomping mouth and sliced along its back, spraying mud across the wall. It roared in agony and I cried because I was almost to the ground. My arms and legs were flailing. I never felt so out of control in the air. Normally I'd flutter away, but my wings were done. They could barely twitch. Just as I was about to hit, I felt something slam into my hand. I gripped it and it yanked me upwards. I cheered. It was Gabriel, lifting me back towards the charging creature. Again, Gabriel ordered. Wait, no! Too late. Gabriel was zipping out of my hand and slicing the beast again. I squealed like a fairyling as I fell. But like before, Gabriel caught me and pulled me back up. Up and down we went running and flying along the red cliffs, splashing through waterfalls, throwing Gabriel, cutting the beast, falling, catching, lifting, slicing, falling, catching, lifting, over and over until... Splar! Splash! One of the smoking mud balls caught me on my way up and pinned me and M against the cliff wall. Squished under my weight, M cried from a pack. The hot, sticky mud sizzled around us burned and itched all at once, and with it came a foul stink. I coughed. <coughs> I tried to wiggle free, but I was powerless against it. The mud ball held firm. Boom! The ground shook as the beast leapt off the cliff wall and landed on the ground in front of me. The only thing between us was the bottom of a rainbow waterfall. Color droplets of mist fell like rain and hovered in front of me not touching the ground, instead bending out towards the ocean of fog. Magical droplets, I thought. Maybe I could use them. 
before I could think up a plan, the droplets parted as the beast poked its head through. A big, muddy schnoz pressed up against me. It huffed and smoke puffed out its nostrils, the insides glowing like hot coals. I tried to look away as the protruding jaw slowly opened wide enough to chomp me in one bite. But instead of gobbling me up, it held its jaws open. One of my eyes peeked and saw a big, smoking mud ball rolling up the beast's throat and making its way to its mouth. I wiggled. Oh, nasty! I can't! I struggled against the mud. I pushed and kicked and jerked, but it wouldn't move! The mud ball was rolling into its teeth now. Smoke flooded out of its splits and cracks like a lump of hot magma. Bracing myself for the end, I shushed M and waited for us to get gooped. Between shushes, I noticed a long shadow beyond the waterfall. It lifted and then dropped. The beast roared in pain inches from my face. Choking back its mud ball, it whirled around and jumped after something. The two shadows rolled and fought beyond the veil of mist. Suddenly, I felt the mud by my hand shake. It shook so hard that it split, and then sling! Out flew Gabriel. Hold still, he told my mind. His winged handle fluttered out in front of me and aimed the blade just over my shoulder. Using very careful cuts, my Zaxlin trimmed through the mud around me until I could peel myself free. Remind me to get you a new sheath, I told him, grabbing him out of the air. Hey, Will, get me a new sheath, he immediately requested. I stepped out from behind the waterfall and found our scorpion, Stella, fighting off the beast. The two rolled around, biting and hissing at each other. Stella clipped at its legs with her pinchers and jabbed at its back with her stinger. The beast bit at Stella's sides and gooped her with mud balls. I couldn't believe it. Stella was fighting it off and not doing half bad. We'll hurry! Dad yelled from the crack in the rock. I ran for the cave. The beast saw me make a run for it. Tired of dealing with Stella, it cocked its head back and spat out three fat mud balls that covered poor Stella and stuck her to the ground. With the scorpion out of the way, the creature bolted for me. Hurry, 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 hurry! Dash shouted. I was almost there. The beast spat out his biggest mud ball yet. Smoke streaked through the air behind it as it flew towards me. I jumped through the wide crack and shouted, Get down! Dad and I dropped to the ground inside the cave. We both slowly looked back and saw the mud ball, splattered against a transparent wall of blue light guarding the mouth of the cave. Sizzling, popping, and smoking, the mud streaked off the barrier of light and fell in clumps to the ground. The shocked beast skidded to a stop just outside the crack and jabbed at us, but its muddy paws bounced off the blue light. The creature roared and furiously jabbed harder and harder, but still couldn't get through. More mud balls splattered on the light wall. Desperate, the sixth-legged mud dog bent down and tried biting its way through, its teeth scraping against it and making a squeaking noise. Finally, it gave up and retreated from the opening. Stunned and still catching my breath, 
I slowly walked up to the transparent wall of blue light and reached out to touch it. Light glowed around my fingers as my hand easily passed through it. What is this place? I said quietly. Will, look, Dad said. I turned and saw him running his hand along the tall cave walls. Ancient symbols carved into the rock glowed a brilliant blue as his hand passed over them. That's when I noticed it—a steady thrumming in the air. It pressed down over me in warm pulses. Pixie magic. The air was full of it. I closed my eyes and asked Emerald for her help summoning it. After a long, deep breath, it poured into me and made my heart race. Then, holding it in, I walked up and pressed my hand against the cave wall. The whole cave lit up with blue writings. Shining blue characters faded up into darkness above us and back into darkness around the corner behind us. Red, glowing crystals and half mushrooms glistened and sparkled along the walls. It can't be," Ma whispered. Tears filled my eyes. The temples of light. That's right," came a voice behind us. We turned to see who it was. A robed figure stepped out of the shadows and into the glowing light. He stopped in front of us and removed his hood. A red mushroom lit his face, revealing a braided gray beard and ponytail, both adorned with coins and beads. His red eyes sent a shudder through me. It was Magborn. Took you long enough to get here, scrub. My goodness, we're not only in the temples of light, but we're in the temples of light with Magborn. This is getting too crazy. I'm excited to find out what he's been up to. What'd you guys think of that mud monster? I wonder what that thing was. It's funny because as intense as a six-legged mud dog sounds, it'd be kind of cool to see what a creature made out of mud looks like. I'm a big mud fan. I like playing in mud, squishing it in my hands or between my toes. It's pretty amazing stuff. And it's one of those things you can find all over the world. Mud is a soft, sticky material made of water and earth. Now, when I say earth, I'm talking about different kinds of soil. You've probably sloshed through mud yourself in boots in your backyard after a rainstorm. Those raindrops are falling onto the dry dirt, mixing with it and becoming mud. Mud is cool. Whenever we go to the beach, my wife likes to make mud castles. I thought it was kind of a bogus idea at first when we got married, but then she introduced me to it, and it's kind of awesome. While we're on the beach, she gets some dry sand and wets it in the ocean water, 
and then drizzles it out of her hand into clumps, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and pretty soon you have this cool, drizzly mud castle. It's pretty awesome. You guys should try it. She'll usually make the base of the castle with wet sand from a bucket, and then drizzle the mud on top of it. Now, did you know that mud is used as a home for a number of different critters? Like insects, worms, snails, clams, frogs... And there are other animals that use it too. Some animals like to take a mud bath to cool themselves off and protect themselves from the sun, like pigs, elephants, and hippos. Even in the ocean, there are fish and sea life that like to burrow down into the muddy seabeds. Even us humans sometimes use mud to make buildings and homes with hardened mud brick called adobe. We mix mud, water, and sometimes straw, squish them into brick molds, and let them dry into hard bricks. You can see a lot of these types of homes in places like Santa Fe, New Mexico, in the western United States. And mud that is made up of clay and water is used to make pottery like bowls and vases that are hardened by being cooked at high temperatures in special ovens called kilns. I remember taking a pottery class once and made this weird candle holder thing and it had this crazy face and big nose and it gave me the creep so I didn't keep it because I couldn't sleep with that thing next to my bed. Nobody could. But it was kind of cool to make. My point is this. Mud is everywhere. And it has been used by all types of life forever. So next time it rains, get your parents' permission, maybe put on some boots, and go play with the mud a little. Explore how it feels and make little mud castles out of it or little mud bricks. And imagine all the incredible things that it is used for. Now before we go, I want to give a shout out to a couple very special listeners. Haley and Kayleen. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I hear you guys love winglings under the willow tree, so I hope this episode didn't disappoint. And thank you all for tuning in. I love writing these stories. I love that you're enjoying them. I'm going to try to keep you guys happy. So make sure you come back next Monday for an all new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.